Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of Bull Banter, the podcast where two brothers from the Southwest talk about the MacArthur Bulls, A-League, and all things football. You're joined by myself, Blake Sims, and accompanying me on today's podcast is none other than my brother, Daniel. How are you, mate? Right. Good as usual. Uh, excited to talk about this one since uh, we got a win during the week there. And um, yeah, let's crack on with this one. Yeah, and of course, we always have to start the podcast by immediately plugging ourselves. Uh, make sure you follow Bull Banter on Instagram, Facebook, go to bullbanter.com um, and yeah, find out all the amazing content that we're putting up for you guys. Let's get yeah, into this and- one. There's something great to behold, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, of course. Um, always good to get three points and obviously the conditions uh, made it that sort of gritty game and we really dug deep, I think, for 90 minutes there and really held Western out. So, Yeah, it was good to get a bit of revenge over them. Um, you know, we're looking into this game on last week's pod, we're saying how could be another dust up. We haven't been in fine form recently. But, um, you know, Milicic and the boys worked over the uh, the training pitch over the week and obviously they've implemented a sort of different system which we'll take you guys through but it generated the results that we need and just as a little um, tidbit of information this is actually the first time this game was the first time that the MacArthur Bulls actually came from behind to win a game um, and in scoring those two goals straight after Parias's wonder strike was um, really good you know heart that the boys showed in tough conditions yeah and um you know, it was good to see that we sort of took a step back after the past couple of weeks and sort of looked at what we could have done better. And it was nice to see Milicic uh, implementing changes to the formation there. Um, Fox Sports did have it listed as a 4-3-3, but it was in fact a 3-4-3 or f- five at the back. With, uh, yeah, I was looking at that because... Yeah. On game day, you're looking at the lineup that comes out just before the match kicks off, and you're thinking, "Where's our Where's our left back?" And um, yeah, Fox Sports had Sujnia at left back, but then when they actually lined up, it was the three at the back, and the wingers were operating as this, um, you know, transition force. As in, when we're in attack, they are very high wingers, and then when we're in defence, they are basically wing backs. So all yeah. was tracking back. So Sayeda was tracking back as well. I think Fox sports just like fucked up there like they obviously don't care about the a-league coverage because after the in the in the first match game Milicic was like oh yeah the uh the boys were solid in midweek uh we practiced the formation and everyone's loving it so um there was a chance (laughs) yeah no i didn't call him out oh he's a giant he wouldn't yeah he wouldn't have seen the fox sports coverage he just came off the pitch yeah fair 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 but yes, so that worked for us though. We were able to um, get a bit more control in the midfield, you would say, because one of the things that happened under our previous formation was that we'd get into an attacking flow, we'd push our wingers very high, and they'd have to check back to a left back or a right back as an outlet because the defenders would usually be able to pinch us in against the sideline. And what would end up happening is that outlet, they'd make either an overlapping run or they'd be sort of caught too forward out of position. And then all it takes is, you know, one poor pass or one uh, scrappy miscontrol to be dispossessed. And all of a sudden it was, you know, bomb the ball forward and it's a race to see who gets there first, either our defenders or the attackers. And usually it would result in a good chance for them. So I'm glad that we uh, steadied the ship in that respect. Um, and without really having to sacrifice too much going forward, um, it's just making sure that we've got 
the wingers actually going back and forth, doing their job, making them defend as well as attack. Um, and I thought, despite, you know, Tommy Orr getting absolutely schooled uh, for the first goal, he just hung off him and Prius. I mean, you're thinking from there he's not going to sh- shoot surely, but... On his weaker foot as well. Yeah, I mean, we can't we can't say Tommy got hammered, but, you know, um, it was a wonderful strike. Still. And, yeah. you know, apart from that, though, it was it was really well defended from um, Orr and Sosieta, who's tracking back, actually, um, really paid dividends for us in in terms of bailing out the defenders. Yeah, and as you were saying, with the, having sort of the five at the back, like when we line up in a usual 4-3-3 anyway, if Milligan's playing in a midfield role, which he hasn't been lately anyway, but he tucks him in between the two centre-backs anyway. So I guess starting, st- yeah, starting with him there just sort of like sets it from the start, there's no need for him to like drop in at all. Like, yeah, it's more simple. Sort of, yeah, we can sort of say like, okay, well, we know he's going to be there. We don't have to wait for him to check back in and waste that time. We can move it across the pitch quicker because he's already back there. And then, as you were saying, it felt like we had an extra man open because often we'd get sort of clamped out on the on the sideline there, but having the wing backs in support. Um, definitely felt like we had sort of always an extra option, which is um, it worked for us. So it's good yeah, to see. Because then their midfielders are in two minds. Do they push to the sideline to get to the winger or do they tuck inside and limit the space for the midfielder? And I think because of that, you know, uncertainty, uh, people like Loic Puyo were able to get on the ball more. I think he had a, his best game for us um, in the way that he was able to dictate the possession style. Ben Yat um, had a lot more time and space to do what he does. So I think that opens up more of our um, attacking midfielders to have less onus on them defending um, and more space on the ball to be able to you know, put balls in the right places and, and get us really um, purring in, in attack. Yeah, because you, you want those attacking players to spend their energy going forward. Like You don't want them to sort of get tired out and lose their legs, giving all this defensive support, which it, when we've seen Poyo in that center mid role or even that attacking mid role, he's spending a lot of time working back and then he's out of legs by the time he can sort of turn the ball over and push it forward. So, yeah. Hey, you know what else I noticed as well? A couple of times when we had that ability to really like put the ball out to the wing and we were rolling forward in the way that you might see a team rolling when they're counterattacking. Um, our centre-backs, like our right and left-sided centre-backs um, in Sushnia and Jovanovic actually got forward a fair bit, which I was surprised by. It was as if, um, you know, Ben Yat or Puyo or Genre, if he drops back into that deeper midfield role, was putting the switch pass on or putting a ball through for a winger and then the centre-back goes, oi, sit back and I'll just bomb forward. And that's why you saw the likes of Jovanovic on halfway doing heel turns and Sosnia getting near the box to lay it off for a shot for Benyat. Like, I think it actually works surprisingly well. You can't do it all the time, obviously, but it's a bit of a uh, a thing that opposition defences will not be able to deal with because it's like, what are you doing up here? You know, where's my yeah, man? Obviously, it's not as extreme as like Sheffield United where you have overlapping centre-backs running through <laughs> on goal. True, um, but but I don't yeah, I, I don't see any other teams doing it in the A League, and I think it can be something a bit unique about us. Yeah, the only like comparison is probably like Tonyuk from 
Mariners, but True. he's dribbling it out himself. He's beating like two players and then releasing the ball. But yeah, I, I think again we had that extra man because they were able to sort of risk pushing up a little bit, knowing they have at least the two other centre backs back there, and then the other side wing back tucking in. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, we see more of it going forward. Yeah, and I think that change also allowed us to ping the ball um, as a crossfield pass or as, as a switch ball much quicker because we always had that option to play. It wasn't always having to go back and then recycle all the way around the back. And by the time you get to the other side, the opposition defensive shifted across and pinched it on that sideline again. It was much more of a quick get it to a midfielder. Benyat does the crossfield pass to an or or Sosieta or a Frenich if he's up there too. Um, and it, it worked for us. Um, it worked really well. Yeah, I think we saw that, especially in the second goal, which we'll get into, just because I think it was a switch from Benyat to Jovanovic, and then he just had Tommy right next to him, sort of two-on-one yeah. on that left side, and then we were obviously able to get across him. But um, yeah, and the same thing should... even happened out of defence for the first. Like, I know it wasn't a midfield pass, but that switch ball... Quick, you know, before the uh, defense gets across and actually deals with you, moving it quickly. And Frenich was able to pick out um, Derbyshire for our first. It was a brilliant cross. And like that quick movement is how we're actually going to score our goals because we know what we're about and so do oppositions. And so it's about can they stop us even if they know what we're doing? And the answer yeah. against Western was no, they couldn't. Yeah, no, they couldn't stop two perfectly placed crosses. Uh, <laughs> Darvishi still had a lot to do though, like leaning back and the fact he still managed to sort of float it over their keeper is, yeah. I mean, hats off. Mate, It's he's got a magic head, doesn't he? <laughs> um, he doesn't get up like Cahill, but at the same time, he just knows where to be. And, you know, it, there's been very few central defenders who've been able to actually marshal him one-on-one. Obviously, when he's outnumbered, it's hard. But even still, he's a handful. And, and you can see opposition's getting nervous when we start whipping in those crosses with three. Yeah, well, another thing with our formation, I think it helped us get more numbers in the box than we've seen usually. Uh, usually it's just uh, Derbyshire in there against four defenders. But because we were able to push the likes of um, Sosaida up, I'm like, it just gives that extra option on the on the back post and sort of even if they're not going to mark them as tightly as a Derbyshire, still sort of takes the attention away from them, creates a bit of chaos in the box. Yeah, it's another option. And if, if we are intent on swinging balls into the box, the more bodies we get in there, the more it's going to pay dividends for us. And it did with that second goal. Did you want to take us through it, Dan? Yeah, so as we were saying, the ball gets the... Flipped out to Jovanovic on the left side, who just has all the time in the world, just nonchalantly kicks it over to uh, Tommy and says, oh, ha- have a go. Why not? Nothing else is on. And there's no and pressure puts, on Tommy either, is there? Yeah, no pressure. And he puts his like, massive ball in and it's gone to, into the sky and just come back down. And just as a late run in the box, Susiata just runs perfectly onto it and gets a little head onto it at the six yard box and it's in the back of the net. So yeah, easy as you like. Caught us by surprise, definitely. But yeah, you're not expecting Sissi to get 
a, a headed goal. Um, he's much more, you know, technical ball at the feet, uh, you know, dribbling and such, but you know, it just, it, it told you all you needed to know about the quality of the ball and the timing of the run. I mean, it was unstoppable. There was three defenders around him and he just darted in and got there. Um, perfect. Unstoppable. Yeah. And I think you could see from the reaction of Jovanovic, like the ball was a cracking ball from Tommy, but it was a bit hopeful from where he was. He was very deep, mm. like had no right to put it where he did. And, you yeah. know, 2-1 up leading it to halftime, it's the best position you want to be in considering we're 1-0 down. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of delivery that a Tommy All gives us. I know... Uh, he was our first player that we'd signed and some people are looking at that and going, well, does he really have the quality? He was, you know, he's obviously been overseas and he's come back and, you know, he was part of that Central Coast Mariners side that was quite dire. Um, and he copped a lot of flack for not being that uh, really inventive playmaker, you know, wide midfielder, yeah. but he can do a job. He can whip across in, he can, you know, take defenders on and he's tidy enough. And guess what? He can. That's what he gives us. That's exactly the game plan. That's what he's there to do. And I think since he's come into the side, our crossing style, our, our plays have actually looked more dangerous rather than just hopeful. Yeah. He had that reputation of a crossing merchant, but <laughs> if we're, if we're going to be a side that just gets 26 crosses in into the box the entire game, points. you want him. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. So, yeah, we go up 2-1. And Western sort of dropped their bundle and we're, we're on top and that continues into the second half. And because of the way that we can play, when we're up, we know we can shut down the shop and just give them no room to breathe or no room to attack. Um, I, didn't, I wouldn't say we did that. We still pressed on and we uh, attempted to play our game. But I don't know, Western were just toothless for the majority of the match and they had to resort to bit of long ball, um, you know, Lockie, Rowe, uh, Lockie uh, Wales, sorry, had a late couple chances um, and there was that sort of penalty box scramble right at the death, which gave everyone a heart attack. But apart from yeah. that, they didn't really offer too much, um, not even on set pieces, which I was surprised by with the likes of Diamante there. Um, but, yeah, we, we shut them down and it wasn't because we shut down, uh, you know, we didn't stop playing, we didn't stop attacking, but we possessed and we managed the game and it was, it was really good to see once we got up that we could actually be, you know, a professional side and not let them counter us and not over ex- ex- exert ourselves going forward, but just being mature. Yeah, definitely. Like the way we played, we weren't scared of sort of overextending ourselves, which that's the way we need to be playing when we're in this position to really keep the pressure on the other side. And, you know, I thought we would have maybe, put the nail in the coffin a couple of times. Lockie Rose had two pretty good chances once he came on. And on another day, he probably puts one of them away. I think he probably should have at least tested the keeper on the um, off the Martis cross yeah. on the byline there. And he just sort of caught it wrong and put it over the bar. Yeah, um, unfortunate. Yeah. And then also that uh, Benyat breakaway. And <laughs> we've seen this, I think, three or four times this season where we're able to counter and move it through the midfield. I think, yeah, it came from the, (laughs) yeah, it came from the Jovanovic uh, Maradona spin heel turn that he 
luckily pulled off. Um, but then, yeah, Ben out running at the defense and it happened again where he just sort of dwelled on it. He, he like, yeah, dwells on it, over, probably overthinks it. And then in the end, just doesn't do anything with it. Doesn't get a shot off. Doesn't find anyone. Um, you can yeah. blame the ball carrier, but at the same time, he's thinking pass, 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 and there's no one to pass to. Darvish yeah. is peeling off in case it goes wide so he can get in on the cross. He's not going, I'll oh, put me through. Um, a winger's not getting there. There's a, a bit of confusion, I think, in that play. Um, when I think what it has to happen is Benyat just has to be selfish and go, you know what? Nothing's yeah. on. I'm having this. Cut, just cut it inside on his right and just bang, and bang one it. in. Yeah. Like at, at the time watching it live, I thought, oh, I should have played someone, but the runs that the supporting runs were not, not the best. Like no one was breaking the defensive line or anything. It was just very stagnant from us. But hopefully if he's in that position next time, hopefully he realizes I just need to take this myself and he can hit him. And then hopefully um he can sort of break the duck of uh, goal scoring that he's uh, been in here. So. Yeah. And in saying all of that, like, yeah, we did push them uh, offensively, but there were times when uh, Western did have opportunities and it took a bit of, uh, you know, defensive brilliance from us at times. Um, we were really steady. Never really looked, uh, you know, stressed in defence. We weren't stretched or anything, but there were some uh, really guilt-edged times where we had to get it right and we did. You want to take us through that one, Daniel? Yeah. So, as you said, there was there was a couple sort of hopeful long balls from Diamante who was dropping way back, like almost into the back line to get the ball at his feet, which yeah. I think is a testament to how yeah, well we yeah. were keeping him out of the game. Um, but yeah, ball in from deep. I think it was a free kick and on halfway, and Diamante just pinged one in and. Our entire back line was asleep and they get an easy knockdown. Federici's in no man's land. And thankfully Milligan was just happened to track all the way back behind Federici to sort of clear it off the line as he's running backwards and managed to flick it out somehow and not hit it into the three oncoming Western players. So Yeah, that was I right. Think we got away with one. So yeah. Milligan again if we rewind it back a little bit before even that moment, there was a time where um, Lockie Wales was put through sort of on yeah. the closer side to the grandstand and Milligan, who's, you know, probably beat for pace by Lockie Wales, um, but he sticks with him and Wales has a chance to shoot, but Federici stays tall. He doesn't give him the angle and then he hesitates and then Milligan's able to just get in there and does basically a pirouette at the same time as knocking Wales over, like legally. He bodies him. He bodies him. Um, and it was just brilliant. Like to not only not have a goal conceded, not concede a foul, not have a, you know, a, a corner kick is just absolutely brilliant. And then I think he kicked it down the other end and we were away again because Weston had overextended. So like, that's, that's what he's there for. And, you know, captain's a captain's play, like just used all of his experience, all of his guile and um, yeah, got us out of a sticky situation there. Yeah. And I think when you see a play like that, like watching it live from the ground, you just felt like, okay, we're not losing today. Like yeah, that just, that play just inspired so much confidence. I reckon it definitely would have 
sort of energize the boys on the field to sort of pick it up and tough it out for the last 15 or however many minutes were left. Yeah. Um, you get a sense a of things. Crucial play. Yeah. You get a sense of things. You go, okay, like even the little innocuous things like the, uh, you know, if it's a throw in and, you know, it's come off both of the same, the opposition and your team at the same time, but you get the throw, you're thinking, oh yeah, but the, the gods are with us today, you know, yeah. whereas, you know, other days, a couple of calls go against you, you start to drop your head, you start to doubt yourself. Um, and so playing with that confidence is really key. And, you know, Milligan gives us that. Other players who really turned up um, and across the board, you could say we outperformed Western United. Um, you know, it gives you that just confidence in each other that you're going to come away with the three points on that day. Big effort from the team. Our next segment, we've done something a little bit different here. We're going to look around the league and pick out our five best players for a five-a-side team. We know a lot of uh, people in the MacArthur love a bit of indoor soccer so or, or five-a-side summer soccer. So we thought, you know what, why not pick out our top five? So, Daniel, take us through your five-a-side team, dream A-League five-a-side team. Okay. I, I wouldn't say my dream A-League side <laughs> team. i I've gone for a side that I think can win a game here <laughs> and put on a bit of a show as well. So uh, in between the sticks, I've put Ollie Sale, who we're up against this weekend against Wellington. And if you've been watching this, him this season, the amount of reflex saves he makes that are just otherworldly, like almost certain goals you'd think, six-yard yeah. box shots that he's just managing to get a hand on. I think that's just perfect what you want for a five-a-side team. Exactly. And um, you know what? He's... To, just to quickly point him out, like he's uh, dethroned Marinovic at Wellington, who, you know, yeah. you look at over the past couple of seasons, he's been just an unstoppable keeper. Um, and so for someone to unseat him, like you thinking he must have some quality. So that's, he's yeah, a good exactly. keeper, young keeper, Ollie Sale there. And obviously I'm not sure how well he is at moving it out from the back. I saw a little bit of it in the Melbourne game. I think he'll be, good enough at being able to sort of be another anchor from the back there, find the likes of Mark Milligan, who we've got in uh, center back here for my team. Um, I just want someone that can sort of be a defensive stud. They don't need to get forward, but they can also hit a pass. Um, any thoughts yep. on that one? Yep. Milligan, center back for your five-side team. He's your hard man. He's the someone who can just yeah. foul someone if you if there's a get under the, yeah. the get, a, get under the skin, push someone up into the net as they're going down the sideline. Yeah, uh, just be a real grub. Uh, and then Nigla. on my left and right mids, I've gone for Diamante and Ninkovic. They're probably my favorite two players in the league, and I just think they'll just cause mayhem to any side they're versing. Yeah, you won't be able to get the ball off them. We see it on the uh, weekends as well. They've, it's like they've got the ball on a string and that's a massive asset for you know a small-sided game. And then up front, I've gone for a little bit of trickery and a bit of pace. Pace usually isn't that as important in uh, you know five-a-side or indoor, but over short distances and his trickery, I think Mohamed Torre is 
the striker I want just to be able to get in behind, run, run on to the end of balls from Ninkovic, Diamante, and Milligan. He's just going to be eating all day. If you It'll be finish. one of those ones where Oli Sale gets it at goalkeeper and just throws it forward and he just flicks yeah. it on. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Not, can't throw it over halfway on the full though. Got to remember that. Yeah, but Ninkovic and Diamante for the volley, you know, you can do that. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, I'll take you guys through my five-a-side team. So I'm starting up front with Bruno Fortaroli and, you know, he's the tuna. He scores goals. He's good for hold-up and on-rushing uh, attacks. So, you know, you know when you pass the ball to him, he's going to retain possession and be able to do something with it. He's tricky um, and he's got a massive, massive right foot. He can just ping the ball. Um in left mid, I've gone with Keanu Bacchus. Now, he usually operates as a central midfielder, but in terms of, you know, a small-sided game, five-a-side, I think he's got what it takes. You know, he's tricky, tidy, and he can bang them from range. You've seen over the last couple of seasons, most of the Wanderers' highlights are Keanu Bacchus looking in an attacking sense, going, oh, nothing's on, I'll have a ping, and it usually goes top yeah. net. So and it's huge. I think in a five-a-side setup, it's it's never a bad thing to have someone that can sort of play a bit defensively and offensively as well. Yeah, he's and got the versatility. He'll be able to he'll be able to get back and get stuck in. So absolutely. Um, next person I've gone with is Markel Susieta. Um, you see him; he's deployed as a right mid most of the time for us, but he does do that sort of free role. He drifts around, he picks up ball in space whenever wherever it is, and so yeah, you do need that kind of player who can be that little magician. Um, and I think that's what Susieta brings to my team. We know all about him. I don't need to say any more. He's a magician. Um, Enough said. Yeah. Ruong Tonyuk is my centre-back. He's just a big, mean machine who's, you know, going to just maul a striker. Um, and I reckon the reason I've put him in here is he's a big reason why Central Coast have had such success this season. Um, you know, he's not going to be beaten in the air. He's been immaculate with his tackles and interceptions and, you know he's he's not too tight, not too bad at, at um you know playing playing the ball either um, for yeah. a big man. He he uses his body well when he's sort of driving it out of the defense. He can dribble and, as well. Like you'd be surprised. Yeah. He he's got a lot in his locker. Um, that's why yeah. I'm putting at centre back. And, and then, yeah, I'll be honest. When I saw his name on your team, there I was thinking about subbing him in, him in for uh, Milligan there and just stealing him, but. Um, yeah, he's just quality. Yeah, good to watch. No one's getting past him either, and he's a massive dude. Like you got to think five aside, someone's going to be having a shot. Um, you know, you got to get, get his body in all the around him. You're not gonna. Um, and then Jamie Young. I thought that you know, I looked at Oli Sale and I thought about Federici, but I think Jamie Young for five aside, he's got such good talk. Um, he's strong and experienced, and I reckon in the A League, he's actually pretty underrated. Um, he's been around a long time, and so. You know, the new flavor of the month goalkeeper is always the one that gets talked about. Oli Sale is the flavor of the month right now. But, um, you know, Jamie Young's been doing it for years and he's been consistent in it. Um, I think you can't go past that. And he's, he's going to be massive for, for me in my five-a-side team. <laughs> um, right. To our who, listeners, who, just who do you reckon, guys know. Uh, what? Uh, I was going to say, who do you reckon wins that out of the two sides? Uh, I think that... Team. Okay. Of course. Guys, if, if you're listening here, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, just leave a comment saying whose team you'd think would win. I, I think it would be a quality game and obviously my team would win. But um, no, And also, if, if you reckon you've got a better team, 
Drop it oh, in the yeah. comments and tell us why. Tell us why those players yeah. are better, more suited to a five-a-side team to win. We might run a little comp at the end of the season. We'll see if we can get them all together. <laughs> Bull banter five-a-side. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Sorry, it's all good. We'll get them out here. We know people. All right. Uh, our <laughs> no, we <laughs> don't. Segment, very quickly, <laughs> we want to take you guys through um, – a little review of the Northbridge Bulls game that happened on Wednesday night. So Northbridge were up against Marconi. Marconi, obviously, they're always usually a quality side. Um, and the Bulls have been up against it, the young Bulls, um, so far in the NPL season. They're anchoring the table at the moment, uh, yet to produce a win. Um, and ended up 3-3, but it was a really enthralling encounter. So I'll take you guys through it. Uh, to start with, it was pretty even. And then Michael Rus, who dropped into our... Um, MPL one team got his marching orders in the 13th minute because he went in for a challenge with a stomping motion. Um, it looked pretty innocuous. I had a look at the highlights, it looked innocuous, but the ref was really quick to produce the red card. And he got a bit of a push and shove from the Marconi players. I don't yeah, know. They, probably, I think hopefully he learns from that. The Marconi players are a bit wrong for that. I reckon like they should have got a yellow card because they come over start pushing him and staunching him. Yeah. Like, even if it's a, a red bit of a, yeah, as you said, innocuous, but yeah, not a good start to the game when it's 13 minutes in. So it puts us on the back foot and, you know, Rusi will have to think about how to not do that next time, especially if we don't want him to do it for our A-League side. That puts the boys under a lot of pressure. Um, do um, was, red cards yeah. carry over at all in between NPL and A-League? Question. I can't say for sure. I don't think they do. Yeah, it could just be a tactic for him to get back into the match day squad for MacArthur, oh, yeah. I reckon. Oh, I'm not yeah. available for selection for MPL1. You've got to play me. Yeah. Jeez, I don't know 100%. about that. No. <laughs> anyway, um, so because of that man advantage, we're down to 10 men. Uh, Marconi go two up before half time, with one of them really should have been dealt with by the keeper. There was a long-range strike that ended up being spilled into the path of the non-rushing attacker by Ryan Wood. And he's our, what would you say, fourth string? Uh, goalkeeper yeah. MacArthur Bulls. Um, there was another keeper. I can't unfortunately remember. Is it Schumann? Was he? Is he the backup keeper for MacArthur? That's right. I know he's injured. Yeah. So, I but don't. Know. That's I another guy as well. He drops into NPL one. No. Um, and there was another keeper we had whose mind, uh, whose um, name slips my mind at the moment, but he's gone over to a Croatian side, so he would have been playing for Northbridge. Um, but Ryan Wood gets the call up, and unfortunately, he spilled it. Um, the long-range strike into the path of an non-rushing attacker, which led to 2-0. Um, but half-time, and then the boys, they come back out and they have a bit of fight in them. Um, Lachlan Sepping, with a captain's example, absolutely fucking banger. Just an absolute bomb from 25 yards, which cleared out the cobwebs and really swung the game, the momentum of it all, back into our favour. Um, yeah, the boys went right off as they should. Lachlan Sepping scoring, of course, against his former club. Um, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. It's just curled perfectly, unstoppable, no keeper in the world is saving it. Probably the best goal we've scored as an entire football organisation so far uh, this year. Like, I don't know. The, the Derbyshire would tap in uh, <laughs> off, off of Sussiata's Sus- Sus- brilliance. No, is that up there. You can't, no. Yeah, no. It's not... We, we haven't scored a bomb and honestly is MacArthur I think the best chance we have of scoring a bomb is if Benat just puts one in from like 30 yards yeah just he has to decide to do it he, he it's not like yeah. he doesn't have it in his locker he just has to otherwise 
all of our goals this season are definitely coming from within that six-yard box. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see. I hope we keep Lachlan Sepping because if he can do that at Campbelltown Stadium, that's going to bring people in to the to the games for sure. Um, from there, it was all our momentum. We added goals from Rory Jordan, who was set up really nicely by a composed Mudi Najjar. He got through and instead of sort of doing the stumble and shot, he uh, kept, his, kept his composure, kept his feet, even though the uh, defender was giving him heats and he just laid it nicely across and Rory Jordan was there to get on the end of things. Um, and then we had Bouljork, who got in behind and slotted home. Um, it was from a goal kick. There was a little nod through. Uh, I think it was a misplaced header from a defender. But Bouljork yeah. read it, and he got in behind and slotted it nicely. And not, the cleanest, not the cleanest of finishes. Obviously, the keeper getting a hand on it. But... but he did what he had to. He still scored yeah. it. Couldn't stop him. Um, and then from there, everyone's celebrating. The bench is jumping on the field. Northbridge Bulls are just going absolutely off thinking they'd won it because it was in stoppage time. But that wasn't the end of the tale. Um, there was a, another late collapse from our young Bulls, allowing another stoppage time equaliser. It sort of reminds you of the, the round one fixture where, um, yeah, they... Against Sutherland. Against Sutherland where they drew 2-2. And, yeah, it was very disappointing to see because that kind of trauma of losing a or not losing it late, but being drawn to uh, late twice, it just gives you this idea, oh, maybe we're not meant to win uh, or maybe we yeah. can't hold on to the lead. Um, and it was honestly pretty poor defending. You look at the goal, it was just a throw that went into the box. The header three. went like diagonally backwards. Yeah. I don't know. Off three, I think three players for Northbridge sort of centre on the ball to go towards it. And then it ends up being... Um, sort of the right mid that sort of thinks, oh, I need to get something on it just to get it out. And, and it up. just a bit of a lack of composure from the defensive side there. And it just a bit of a scramble in the box and they tuck one home late. And definitely this time, salt in the wounds being, what, a man down for 80 minutes. Yeah. Going, fighting back from 2-0 down to 3-2. Like it would have been a mon- monumental win, game. but yeah, it yeah, it's heartbreaking, and you could see that on the players' faces at full time. You know, a lot of them slumped to the, the to the ground, and yeah. you know they're gonna have to pick themselves up. But at least they showed that they're capable. They've got heart. They've got the ability. They just got to um, you know, put the full stop on the sentence, so to speak. You know, get there, yeah. do the whole ninety minutes. They need to get their grammar in order. That's right. I love that. Loving it at the moment, the bullpen. In conditions more suited, as you can see, to uh, swimming. Next up, we are going to jump straight into the preview of Wellington Phoenix. Uh, We're playing against them in Wollongong on Sunday. We've gone through what they're all about before, but, mate, they've been, if not for City, you would say they're probably one of the form sides of the comp. They've been pretty uh, imperious and looking quite unstoppable um, in their recent games. They smashed Melbourne defeat 4-1. Um, we have Reno- that, That's pretty standard now, right, to put four at least four past Melbourne? Yeah, so they didn't play very well, obviously. Uh, no, <laughs> look, it's Melbourne have their own issues, but credit where credit's due. 
Phoenix had to score those four goals and they were very good goals each for their own reasons. Uh, the pick of the lot was, I'm sure you would have seen it if you follow the A-League at all. They've been plastering it all over social media and just going on and on about it, but with good reason. Um, Reno Piscopo with a touch that's just indescribable, like shades of Maradona. Chef's um, kiss touched. That's what they call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, picks it out of the sky and then he's able to put this brilliant like Thomas Rosicki-like pass on the way through. Um, Wellington work it up the field and just isolate, go one touch, one touch, one touch. And then Hamed bangs it into the top of the net. Um, Tough finish too. Yeah. Did, like the keeper, to his credit, didn't give him much to, to aim at, um, but beat him near post, top corner, and just thumped it home. And, you know, if we have to face the uh, counterattacks like that on the weekend, then it's going to be very difficult to deal with. But yeah, Wellington Phoenix, what do you reckon, Daniel? Have, have yeah, do we the, change what we've been doing? Do we stay the same? Do we think that we learned from the first time we played them that one-one, where things, to be honest, went our way? Yeah, like it'll be interesting to see if we return to the four-three-three or whether we keep the three at the back system. Uh, I think we will return to the four-three-three just because it typically sets up better against the 4-4-2 that Wellington likes to use. But I wouldn't complain if we go with that three or five at the back again, just to, you know, if we're more comfortable defensively in that, um, then I'm all for it because Wellington are another sort of counter-attacking side that can really exploit us on the wings where you have the likes of Davila and Piscopo sort of, similar sort of roles to the likes of Diamante and uh, Guaxiana. And, you know, with that three at the back formation, we were able to keep them quiet for 90 minutes against Western. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we use it again to sort of limit those two players because they are very dangerous for the Knicks. Yeah. I think Milicic will stick with this. You don't just like make a whole new formation and then just rubbish it after a week. And especially if it's been successful, I think he'll build on that. Um, I think that he'll want to have more midfield control because if you remember, you cast your mind back to when they played at Campbelltown against Wellington, um, Alex Rufer and Cam Devlin really held the ball away from our midfielders quite well. Um, and Devia as well. Like he could just win a foul whenever he wanted. So we want to have more control of that midfield. I think going with the four in the middle is the way to do that. The thing we've got to be wary of is Hemed and David Ball uh, bursting in behind uh, because they are both of them quite fleet of foot. They might not look it, but yeah, they can cause you problems with their pace um, and they're diminutive as well. They can do lots that, you know, they know when to make the right runs. They know when to hold the ball up Um and they're dangerous. So we've got to be really aware of that. But I think with a bit more midfield control, we can actually influence the match a bit more. We can possess the ball as we like to do. We can get that, um, you know, early switch going and uh, with the crosses in. And um, I think, you know, that's a vulnerability for Wellington um, with Andrew Durante still out, I believe. Um, you know, they've got Stephen Taylor back there. He's obviously, he's, his record precedes him with all he's done overseas, but he's only just out of quarantine, you know, where he could easily be, um, you know, not as sharp as Derbyshire. And I think if we get a good ball in and we get the space to put the good balls in, there's no reason why we can't, you know, score a couple of goals against him. Yeah. Obviously we should be 
having more of the ball against this Wellington side. But watching the victory game earlier in the week, we saw the Knicks looked very vulnerable when playing out from the back. There was more than a handful of errors where they were trying to progress the ball out of the back line into midfield and they were causing cheap turnovers. Um, the victory to their credit were pressing them sort of high, but on other times it'd just be a simple pass that they miss hit. And as you said, Stephen Taylor's just returned to the, to the side. So, you know, they might not be, you know, have that chemistry just yet. So if we can exploit that and sort of put it on them, then I think that'll do wonders for us. If we can cause a turnover, you know, on the halfway line and then quickly go, then I can see that just being something that we need to really exploit and test Wellington, whether they're good enough to play it out from the back or whether they're just going to go long. Yeah, it's something we look at every week and we go through our opposition, our, the players that we're going to be up against and you pick out certain names like, you know, last week it's, oh, Parias, can we keep him quiet? I mean, for the most part, yeah. Diamante, uh, we kept him quiet for the most part. Um, Barisha, we shut him down. Yeah. Going through Wellington side in terms of like Devia, Piscopo, Hemed, Bull, there's a lot of names with a lot of talent there and we've got to be better than them. Um, and McGarry yeah. as well is quality. Like yeah. That, yeah. the left back, he, yeah, he, he bombs forward and he looked a million bucks against victory, which might not be hard to do this season. But, um, you know, the Wellington fans rate him so highly and watching some of the highlights, he could definitely hurt us similar to a pariah sort of having the freedom of space on the, as a overlapping fullback would have. Um, just got to be keep an eye on him, I think. Yeah. So we just got to not overextend ourselves, but I think if we take the performance from last weekend as anything to go by, I think we can actually keep them quiet, limit their chances and, as long as we're smart with how we use the ball, we can be dangerous going forward. So that takes us in nicely and neatly to our predictions. What do you think is going to happen in this one, Daniel? Well, looking at Wellington's recent games, I think the last four games have averaged over four goals per game from both sides. So I think we're on for that again. I'm predicting a 2-2 draw here. Um, yeah. I probably need one more week of a good performance from MacArthur to be like, to sort of know where we're at. We've obviously come off a tough run against uh, Mariners and uh, Melbourne City. Mm. And to get the three points against Western is huge for us going into this game. Um, but I'm playing it safe. I'm taking the negative approach here. Yep. And I think it's going to be 2 2. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. I know, like, this is the cycle. This is the fan cycle of my team lost, so I'm not going to predict for them to win the next week. And then they surprise you and you're in love with them again. And so you think, yes, we're the best team ever. We can win. Um, so I'm riding that wave right now. I think we're going to win 3-2. Bulls will be able to score probably one of them at least from a set piece, two from open play. Um, and open play. Surely they're crosses if they're from open play. Absolutely. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think we're vulnerable at the back. I, I, like, I, like you say, Daniel, I don't think that 
everything's all sorted and, and squeaky clean now that we've just won one game. Um, I'll, I'll believe that when we keep a few clean sheets in a row. And so I think we will concede maybe once or twice, but we just have to outscore Wellington. And, you know, if our, if we actually try and play our attacking game the whole time, instead of shutting down the game, we are capable of scoring goals. I mean, you cast your mind back to the Adelaide game in the second half, we put four on them. So we can do it. We just have to have the belief and um, the will to do it. Yeah. I don't don't think we're going to see a clean sheet from either side in this game. Just, because Wellington, uh, they look so dynamic going forward when they can get forward with numbers running at the defense. And obviously our defense and Wellington's defense isn't, you know, it's not completely solid just yet. So I think it should be an open game, should be a few goals, should be a, uh, a quality watch this yeah, weekend. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. And if you're a gambling man, um, definitely bet on over one and a half goals. I think over two and a half, mate. Even, yeah? Yeah, two and a half. Get some value. Fair enough. Chuck um, it in a multi with, um, <laughs> you know, Arsenal to win the Europa League, Liverpool to win Champions League. Um, Please. What else? That's, no. Don't give think our about viewers, the return. Our, our lovely think listeners the and viewers who listen to this every week, don't give them bad advice. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. All right. We thank you guys so much for tuning in again to the Bull Banter podcast. Make sure, as always, to follow our social medias. That's Facebook and Instagram. We're on YouTube as well. We've got bullbanter.com. Make sure you're following all that for more snorkeler content. 100%. Hopefully, uh, the snorkels make another appearance later in the season. And yeah, this anytime time... it's slightly, even slightly raining. Oh, really quickly before we go, I was watching the NRL and I don't recommend you do it. But before the Sharks game, there was a bloke who ripped us off. He decided, oh, it's been raining a bit. And I saw these blokes in the A-League last night with the snorkelers. He's rocked up in a full, um, you know, scuba gear kit. And it's not even raining at the place. And he just looks like the biggest dickhead. You know, I just, yeah, no, I just I thought that was stupid. You know, you got to if, be understated in your, in your memes. Yeah. Like, simple. Like, you, I use the analogy of making a smoothie okay your smoothie can't be too busy is what <laughs> i've heard okay uh, you can't uh, ca- kill this podcast it's over mate. You, you can't you can't have too many ingredients in a smoothie you know you just keep it simple like milicic should nah, take the, the smoothie approach into the game at the week oh. you know just have a little <laughs> bit of almond milk a little bit of almond milk no it's over it's done i'm ending this it's goodbye sorry viewers and it's not sorry no.